Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, my name is Brian Corzo, and you are on the Noted Podcast. Uh, with me are my analysts, columnists, and fellow jazz fans. Uh, <laughs> we got Carson Hilton and Riker Gordon. Um, we just started up this podcast, and it was with the basic premise that we love to talk about small market teams. And if you want to listen to all of your, you know, hot takes or all of the LeBron James, Ben Simmons garbage, uh, you can go to ESPN uh, and such, right? Uh, also, another problem is if you want to learn a lot more about small market teams, usually you'd have to listen to like a very biased um you know, local podcast uh, from the state or the city that the people do it from. So what we're trying to accomplish is just be able to, you know, take note of really underrated players in the league and about the small market teams that usually don't get a lot of the spotlight. So super excited to uh, start this uh, with everybody here. And uh, we're just going to get to know everybody on the team uh, <laughs> a little bit more as uh, Rudy Gobert says, the team. Um but let's let's go ahead and start it off with uh, Riker. Uh, tell us where you're from, and uh, also who's your favorite small market player of all time. Cool. So I'm Riker Gordon from Payson, Utah, and after much thought, I decided to go outside of the Jazz because I could choose plenty that would be a favorite of mine and go with Reggie Miller from the Pacers. Yeah. Um, he's just like, he's the guy, you know, he was the guy at that time. He could hit any shot. Didn't matter where, didn't matter who he was playing against. That dude had freaking guts, ice in his veins. And what he did True. with the Knicks is something that I'll always remember. So Reggie Miller, Reggie Miller. That's a, uh... mm-hmm. oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's, what I that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Yeah. That's sick, sick. And um, <clears throat> Carson, go for it. Well, tell yeah, us where so, you're from and uh, favorite small market player. Yeah, so I'm Carson. Um, I'm from South Jordan, Utah. Um, and I I am not going to go with Donovan Mitchell, but instead <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, Karolinko. I, he was my favorite player growing up. He just like – he was a Swiss, Swiss Army knife. Like he could do everything and anything. And – growing up watching him like he was he was just so fun so yeah i'm gonna go with carolinko ak-47 Master very of the nice five by five. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and the best uh nickname of all time yes oh yeah yes Easy. ak-47 Easy. so nice yeah. um so my name is brian and uh, i'm from spain originally uh moved over to the states live in utah now and my favorite small market player dame lillard i mean come on like most lovable player, most loyal, like what you, what you look for in, you know, he has everything that your favorite player has besides a championship. <laughs> so hopefully he gets one of those in his career, but, um, absolutely love Dame. Um, what he's been able to accomplish. I think he's going to go down in history as you know, one of the most beloved players in the league. So I hope he also goes down for one of the most successful players in the league. So. We'll see what Portland Portland has in store. Without, without further ado, we kind of want to get into today's first topic. Um, you know, what uh, what's going to be the best uh, small market team uh, in the league this year? 
Um, we got a lot of, you know, teams coming up to the table. Obviously, you have the Bucks, the Suns, the Jazz, um, a lot of teams that are, you know, very notable. And so I kind of want to take it away. Uh, Riker, who do you think is the best okay. small market team right now? Nothing, nothing like starting off with the homer. I think the Utah Jazz will be the best small market team in the league next year. Um, I think they've improved in areas. It's funny because the offseason started, and after our second round exit, I was like, uh, we cannot afford anybody that can really help this roster. <laughs> um we're, we're stuck with that same rotation where we we get and we have to play big guys and a team with a bunch of athletic shooters and athletic wing defenders will just kill us and we'll just keep going out but i feel like the jazz have made major improvements which shocked me and i love the signing of rudy gay i think he'll be a great um addition i think it'll take him a bit to get into it because he's coming off that injury um but and then I I love I love the pickup of Eric Pascal. I think that will be a huge difference maker because that dude can play a four or five. And I I've in his interviews he's already talked about how Quinn wants him to improve his three point shooting. So if he can do that, we've got a three and D guy who can also play a small ball five if we need him, yeah. which is also what Rudy Gay can do. And then I think if we need to go to that big matchup, I'm hoping that Hassan Whiteside with the competition and practice with Rudy Gobert can get his groove back and be a, a, just a force on the boards and on the blocks. For sure. Very nice. Good take. Good take, Nick. What about you, Carson? I think, honestly, you could go with either Phoenix, Jazz, or Milwaukee, and you would be right. I don't think there's a <laughs> wrong answer to this question. No. But if I had to pick one, I, I have to go with the defending champs, the Bucks. They Giannis is just kind of a perennial MVP candidate, right? Like, he, he's always going to put up big numbers and he is such a big he's so unique because he is so dominant on both sides of the floor and i think everyone knows that like Giannis is no. just a beast but last year when they acquired drew holiday that's the moment i was like they're they took a step like i didn't sure. i didn't know like obviously i didn't i don't think anyone guessed that they would make win the championship but i knew like that's the piece that they needed and they've kept everyone together and Chris Middleton is, of course, Chris Middleton, and I I wish they could have been able to keep P.J. Tucker, but I don't think that's too big of a loss. Yeah. I think, again, they're just going to be great. Yeah, for sure. I mean, now they got Grayson Allen, so I, I don't, you know, sky's the limit for them. You know what I mean? So we'll see. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, Buck solid pick. In my personal opinion, I think it's the Suns, and I think the reason why that is is because relatively to how much the team has changed and just how, you know, how good the Suns team were last year and obviously Chris Paul going off with the injury, Devin Booker on his first year of the playoffs. I think one of the things that makes the Suns so good is the fact that they are just, it's almost the exact same team from last year, right? While some of the other teams are experiencing some differences, and I I know as far as the Jazz, like I totally believe they can be number one, kind of like how Carson was saying, where it's interchangeable between the, all of them, right? I just think that the Jazz have a lot of like really new pieces, especially in you know as far as their forwards go, and I think it's going to take a little bit of time to kind of find that identity and find that groove. But come to the second half of the season, I think they're going to be super solid. Well, I just feel like the Suns, 
They already have the team. They added JaVale McGee, which is a huge pickup, um, you know, for their, their front court. I just think the Suns are looking really solid. I think they're going to take the number one spot uh, in the Western Conference in the standings. I do think it's going to be really close with the Jazz because I think the Jazz are going to be the better team the second half of the season. But relatively speaking, it's almost the exact same team. Um, and you're not missing any of your, like your key pivotal players you know, out in the front. And I, I think that's going to be a really big, really big deal, especially with Devin Booker coming to a second year. And now that he's had the experience, he's gotten the nerves out and now he can like really like play. Right. I, I think the Suns probably going to have the number one spot in the NBA. Yeah. And I think one of like the more underrated things about these three teams is that they're all running it back. I know lots of analysts and fans don't like when teams run it back. Cause typically it means they have, a problem and then that problem hasn't been addressed but teams that go into training camp with relatively the same guys or at least mostly the same guys are already at a much bigger advantage than teams like the heat or chicago who made or even the lakers who made big moves and now they've got to incorporate other starters into the schemes whereas these three teams sure they made like small moves here and there but largely it's the same. And I think like since most of them already know the offensive schemes and plays and defensive schemes, like they're already a step ahead of everyone else. Yeah. And I, I just know, I just know in the past, like it's taken the jazz a little bit to kind of find their identity when like new things are introduced to the team. And I, I think when we saw it last season where the jazz, like they started off kind of rocky, you know, losing to, uh, I think it was the Suns and the Nets, uh, you know, kind of simultaneously um, at the beginning of the season, but they really picked it up. They got like the, what was it, like 10, 19? I don't know how many it was. It was a huge, yeah. huge win streak. It was a lot of wins. A lot of wins. <clears throat> and they, I think they had, they strung two 11 win streaks, like 11 game win streaks throughout the season, yeah, which is yeah, really impressive. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, it's, I just think now, especially Chris Paul, he's, he was so close and it's like, how many years does he have left? You know, he's he's going to push super hard for it. So I, I have a lot of confidence in that team. I know as, as a Jazz fan, it's bad for me to like the Suns, but I do like the Suns because I, I do feel like they're a lot like the Jazz. Um, and they're in similar markets where people have, you know, have just experienced sadness. I mean, <laughs> look at the Suns team, you know, many, many moons ago um, back with uh, – Oh my gosh, uh, Jamal Crawford, Steve Nash, um, etc. Incredible team, right? So, um, I don't know. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited. I think it's going to be really close between all three of them. I think all three of, are a very solid choice. Um, but hopefully, at the end of the day, I, I just hope that we see those uh, small market teams. You know, really above uh, all those large market teams and in my personal opinion i think the top three in the western conference are all small markets uh with nuggets included over there Agreed. So, hot take it's my hot take but i believe it um anyway so that being said with some of these teams we're, we're talking about some of the bigger teams that you know are going to make maybe that leap through to the third round or maybe back to the playoffs or sorry, uh, to the finals uh, for the Suns and the Bucks. But what team that, you know, really struggled last season, do you think is going to make the biggest jump this season? Um, when it comes to like these like small markets or even a large market team who hasn't been good, I'm talking about 
New York Knicks last, you know, before last season yeah. and how big of a change they made where they were, I think ESPN's power ranking indicator had them at like 29th in the league, uh, going up to even getting the, I believe it was the, the fifth or fourth spot in the Eastern conference, um, coming into the playoffs. So what team do you think can make this jump? Uh, let's start it off with Carson. Awesome. So I, I have one team in mind that I think will make a jump that, uh, and that team is uh, Chicago. Um, they made a, a big move last season where they acquired uh, uh, Vucevic, which at the time of that happening, I kind of thought that was not a great move because I thought they were going to like, they've been rebuilding for a while and this draft was really stacked and I thought they had a chance to get a really nice player. But with this offseason, how they've made, you know, they got Alex Caruso and uh, Lonzo and DeMar DeRozan. I and really Tony think, Bradley. Tony Bradley. Wow. I really think they put themselves in a spot to be not just a playing team, but an actual playoff team. Full, a full hey. seven game playoff. Um, what what do you was, think is their ceiling? <clears throat> I think their ceiling is like the fourth seed. Um, yeah, hundred percent. I I do have questions with their defense, and I think everyone kind of does, um, especially with the pick and roll and rim protection. But I I do I do think Lonzo and Caruso and hopefully Patrick Williams makes a small jump. He and they're all like defensive plus, right? Um, and I think Billy Donovan can put in a scheme and defense. Yes, it's player by player, but also like having a good defensive scheme helps a lot. And I think a lot of these players, like, they haven't sniffed the playoffs in a long time. Even De- DeMar DeRozan hasn't been in the playoffs the last couple of years. Um, I think these players are hungry, and they want that playoff experience. And I think they have the the buy-in from everyone to, to make that happen. For sure. I, I think, in general, you just have a lot of players who made, like, a big jump recently in their career. Like, I, I look at Alex Caruso. You know, everybody just knew him as, like, the bald, you know, goat guy, like, and all this stuff. But, like, he became a super underrated defender in the playoffs and, like, was a big reason why they were really successful for a really long time because he played hard defense all the time. I look at Lonzo Ball, who the second that his contract, you know, is being discussed and that they're not wanting to give him what he believes he deserves, he proves it, and he really steps up his three-point game. And, uh, you know, he still has the court visibility, you know, I don't think it's anywhere near his little brothers, but I still think it's really good. And so, I mean, I'm just looking at those two. And then, like you said, DeMar DeRozan's finally in a situation where he's competing again since he's been in Toronto. So, mm-hmm. and I mean, Zach I Levine. Mean, yeah, even, yeah, I mean, look at Zach Levine. Like he was, like he was a fun dunk champion player and he had all these highlights, but look at what he's become. Like he's one of the yeah. most efficient offensive players in the league right now. It has a clean three-point shot. Yeah, agreed. It is super so clean. clean now. I have seen some arguments that like people aren't sure how Demar Derozan's gonna fit, but I think the spacing in Chicago is a lot better now. Like Lonzo oh, was a 100%. good three-point shooter, and I and De- yeah. De- Derozan clearly isn't a three-point shooter. He's just not great. But I think he'll have more space in the mid-range to work, and if he gets caught, he has shooters to. I mean that—that's a dangerous team yeah. at the rim, like danger. I, mm-hmm. 
I absolutely agree. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think they're lethal. That's a yep. I mean, I I expected Chicago. I'm not I'm not going to lie. You know, the, this is a team that I think yeah, a lot yeah. of people are are thinking about, you know, kind of these similar same things. What about you, Riker? Yeah, same. Um I'll I'll touch on another team just so that we have some difference of thought, <laughs> but um yeah, my pick was also the Bulls. And it's all it's kind of, you know, Chicago's not a small market team. They're the home of the GOAT. So it's not like <laughs> well, it's Chicago, struggled, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but that being said, I, I agree with everything that's been said. The defense, uh, I think they have a solid starting lineup. Um, their three is questionable, but I mean, you can make things work. And this is why I think you can make it work is because your rotations can be very versatile, especially when it comes to the backcourt. Um, if you need three point shooters, you can have DeMar DeRozan on the bench and you can bring in players like like Caruso's got a good shot. You can bring in Jones. You can bring in Matt, even Matt Thomas, right? You can bring him in. He's on the team now. <laughs> but if you if you want DeMar DeRozan, who can slash, who can make something happen in the mid-range, you can bring on Kobe White. That dude's quick. He's got a money shot. Like he's, they're, they're a solid team, no doubt. Um, and I think that they will for sure make a difference in the league. And I think that um, they will win some pretty pretty intense games as well and i think that zach levine will just continue to skyrocket but there's another team i want to touch on and i'm not saying that this team's going to be like oh they're in the playoffs they're gonna do really great but someone who's like i have making the play-in team the play-in uh game is the timberwolves we had and... the same two teams <laughs> yeah yeah because i i mean you look at the roster and a lot of it's the same from last season right but yeah you add Patrick Beverly, who's an insane defender and has this very contagious attitude. Like, this is coming from a Jazz fan, right? You you look at the last... He didn't play game one. And you could tell that there was kind of... Like, the Clippers kind of gave up at the end of game one. They, they kind of just... And they were winning for a good portion of it. And you could tell that... Jazz got the heart. They started playing better. They they started putting an effort, and the the Clippers kind of gave up. Then game two was very different when Patrick Beverly was back. They fought the entire game. The Jazz still ended up winning, but I think that difference also played into the next few games. Is you have this dog that, whether you like it or not, can get into the head of the other team, and I think that type of attitude into this Timberwolves team, which has kind of started to gel a little better, where you have. Um, Russell, who will probably still come off the bench, not that he should, like, I think he can start just fine, but I think you have him and you have Carl Anthony Towns and you have Anthony Edwards, who are insane, and then Malik Beasley can also get stuff done as well. Like, they're not they're not a team to really look at and say, you know, I'm just going to shoo them away. Like, I think if you're any team in the league and you're going into Minnesota to play a game, you can't just look at it like, oh, easy dub. Like, you got to go into that game. You got to be like, okay, we're going to have to play in order to win this game. So that's my team that I think will also make a very good, good jump. Not massive, but a very good jump. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like I, – I, the reason I also picked them was I, since, what, two years ago when they acquired D'Angelo Russell, him mm -hmm. and Kat have only played, like, 19 games together. Yeah. Like, yeah. people, yeah. people have to remember that they have had really bad injury luck and in those 19 mm -hmm. games, they are 11 and 8, I think. 
and that's a winning record. <laughs> I mean, they like, they swept right. the Jazz. That's, yeah, they're yeah, they like, killed the Jazz. <laughs> yeah, they're a good team that people are kind of sleeping on. And I I have a theory about D'Angelo Russell. Like, I don't think he can be an efficient number one option. But what I think the reason why they've been good while both of them have played is that he has Cat to rely on, so he doesn't have to take so many shots and take so many mid rangers Like, he's a good three-point shooter. And when they're not, not relying on him so much to score, when he can delegate more and Cat can stretch the floor, and Pat Beverly's there to help on the perimeter defense, and I think yeah. uh, Prince is also a nice pickup. That Prince, can also yep, Tarion Prince is awesome. Yeah, so I think they have, like, nice pieces there. And, you know, Malik um, Beasley as well. And, yeah, they're, yeah. like and you I'm, said, I'm, you can't just go in and expect to beat them. No, you really can't. And even even last season, I think there were definitely some teams that could, but the Jazz were (laughs) just peeing their pants when they got into the stadium. (laughs) But um, like, this is from experience of watching very little T Wolves games outside of when they played the Jazz. Um, But I remember when I'd catch the highlights of a T Wolves game, there would be games where D'Angelo Russell would shoot terribly. Like he could not hit a three. When he played the Jazz, he could not miss. He couldn't miss. And so I'm like, if if that consistency can hold against every team, they're dangerous. Because yeah. the dude has the confidence. He doesn't care if he's going to miss. He'll shoot 10 threes in a row and miss all yeah. of them. He has that type of confidence. So if he makes those threes, they're, they're a dangerous team. And then See, uh, Anthony Edwards can jump yeah. over you. Yeah, so it's like... we haven't even <laughs> talked about Anthony Edwards. But I, no. I, I, I like that point where... When, when he's playing by himself w- without another scorer, if he's not on, they're going to lose. It's, it's yeah. kind so of like based around if they're going to win or lose if he's on or off. But when they have Cat there, they have this massive like other option, first option, to relieve the pressure. And I, 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 it kind of makes me think back to Donovan's rookie year. Obviously, he was kind of inefficient and our – I mean, he was great, like, for a rookie, amazing. But when he struggled, we struggled because he was our only offense. We had yep. no we had no True. other offensive creators. And then we got Mike Conley and Voyan Bogdanovich. And just Mike Conley alone, like, helped him grow. And I think similar will be yep. D'Angelo Russell with Carl Anthony Towns. Yep. I mean, you, you just – you got you got the perfect set of attributes uh, on that team. Really well-rounded. For sure, maybe maybe a little bit on the defense inside. <laughs> You're yeah. struggling, defense but I think that's is, yeah. that's why you get Patrick Beverly to get the dog mentality. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, Fudge, because uh, I also had the Bulls. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't. I just don't <laughs> think there's any NBA fan who doesn't think that the Bulls are going to make the biggest jump from any other team yeah. no. as far as like standings, no. right? So right. my second team that I was kind of thinking about. And I've uh, I've mentioned this to you guys before, but I think it's Oklahoma City. You know, you you got. I just think there is a point <laughs> I, now I agree. where they have enough <laughs> draft picks, right? That they are good. Now they can start really like trying to push and get their players excited because you got. I mean, you got Shai Gillis, you got Lou Dort, and you got Giddy now. And I believe that any player who's able to play in a professional league has a lot to bring. And I think we've seen that um, with uh, LaMelo Ball, you know, his transition to the NBA, even though he didn't play college ball, 
was in, was incredible, right? And it and it wasn't like he wasn't he was getting any like crazy statistics over in in Australia, right? Um, but to be able to bring that to the NBA and kind of seamlessly transfer, I think Josh Giddy could bring the same kind of energy, right? It's a young team; they have nothing to lose, and I think it's time for them to get excited and get some experience, maybe play in a playing game. You know what I mean? I just think as far as like the whole tanking completely. I don't know if that's super in the books because now they have one bajillion draft picks. So I think it's okay. Like now you can start getting some experience because you have the future to worry about. But right now you want to just get some experience in your players and the things that we were able to see, you know, Lou Dort, his development with Chris Paul while he was on OKC and the run that they almost beat the Houston Rockets. I just think, there's potential for something like that because you have a lot of really young players that are really exciting uh, over there. Yeah. And and uh, I'll start out with. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was, I was go just going to say Lou Dort, the future of two-way yeah. players in the NBA. Yeah, I'll start off by agreeing with you. Um, I I definitely think there's a chance that they can string a good enough season together for the tent. Uh, so for the play-in game in the tent. Yeah. I, I do like Shea Gilgis Alexander, and I think he is one of the future stars of the NBA. And I think him and, yes, Lou Dort's progression, especially on the offensive side, yeah. has been massive. Like, mm-hmm. he was the only player on the Thunder last season when Shea, when Shea was um, injured. And there are some games where he'd go out and he'd get them close, <laughs> but they wouldn't win. <laughs> you can't do it on your own he has to sit every once in a while i remember there was a jazz game that they played and every time he was on he'd hit like five threes and would score around you and then block you on the other end and you're just like can't do anything and then he'd go off and then the jazz would go on like a 20 point to two run like so i i see it as well um and i like i like um uh the addition of Derek favors I feel like he needed a fresh start as well. Um, I don't think he's going to really, you know, push the needle very far, but I think that he will be a welcomed addition and will definitely help because I think the Jazz, when he, his his um, time in New Orleans, they did not know how to use him. And so he was just like this unused tool. And then I think like the time for a more athletic five as far as a backup center is probably the main reason the jazz got rid of him. So hopefully he can flourish again in this offense or, and hopefully just gain an extra step. Yeah. But we'll see. And, I, and I mean, with all the pressure that was under Derek favors, you know, in the playoffs, just like really competing at the top level. Like, I just don't think mm-hmm. that's Derek favors position right now, but to be able uh, to have like anymore. be a storage bank of information for these like rooks, uh, you know, all the rooks that are going to be coming. And then these young stars, like, that's going to be super nice, right? And like I said, nothing to lose, no pressure. They already have a lot of capital when it comes to draft picks. So I'd, it's it's not, in my opinion, I just don't think it's a it's a season you have to take. You know what I mean? I think, I think you can afford maybe to get the 15th pick instead of, like, the third or fourth. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. lately, these players that are coming out of college are incredible, right? Yeah. So... I, I'm not super worried about it. I'm just so excited. I'm, I was so excited that I bought tickets to the OKC Jazz game because I can't wait to see him next week. <laughs> I will be the force against you guys. I, I disagree. <laughs> and 
this this isn't because I think OKC is bad and I don't believe in their players. I definitely believe in Shea and Lou Dort, and I think Giddy can has a lot of upside and, and can be great. But it's more so I just really believe in how good and hard it is to play in the NBA. There is there is a reason why most rookies and young players really struggle. It's because NBA players are so smart. Like, if you put Mike Conley, think about Mike Conley, and you put him against any single young player, he's just going to burn him just because he has more knowledge. And, like, typically... Unless you're Jared Butler. For this. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I... And also, if, if I'm OKC, I look at Chet Holmgren, and I'm like, I want to get that guy. I, I, I agree with the sentiment that, like, these draft picks are kind of useless. They can't be rebuilding for oh, like over half a decade. They need at some point to make moves and fill up the roster with other established NBA players. But if, if I'm OKC, I'm like, this is one more year. We get maybe that extra piece and we go and try and get other pieces to help build around these guys. And in a year or two, we could be a really powerful force in the West. But right now with how young they are, I think they get exploited because of their lack of, I mean, of age and experience. I, I agree. They are going to get exploited, but they need the experience, right? You can't, yeah. you can't just get one great player and then expect everything to work, right? That's, that's oh, what happened with, with OKC when they got Chris Paul, right? They got an amazing mm -hmm. player for Roller General, and they made it to the playoffs. You know, incredible feat. And I, I think... In the same sense, to get those players who had that experience to kind of get another taste of real competition, you know, we were pleasantly surprised by Memphis, a very young team as well. Of course, they have John Morant, incredible, but they were able to beat Stephen Curry, you know what I mean? And the Warriors, and nobody, nobody thought that the, that the Warriors would have lost that game uh, in the playing game, right? I just think that yeah. getting that opportunity and the taste I'm not saying that they're the favorites, but they could make some big surprises. I guess my pushback to that would be, like, that OKC team did have Chris Paul and Gallinari and uh, Schroeder. Yeah. Like, they had other other pieces to it than just Shea and Dort. And, of course, like, they were young and they just, they played yeah. great. Um, and that uh, that Memphis team did have Valachunas, which is a yeah, nice Yeah, I was about to say to <laughs> Yeah. But I like this. I I get. I hear. I hear what you're saying about Derek Favors, but I don't think at this point in his career he can be a team that can help carry this OKC team. Like like Riker said, I don't think he moves the needle very much at all. Like no, he can be he nice doesn't. for development. Like, but that's what I'm saying. It's development. Yeah. But I but I think they could surprise a lot of people. In my opinion, I just, I, I guess for me, like the development I is agree. these young guys on any other team wouldn't get the playing time that they're about to get for the Thunder. And that's the positive, right? Yeah. Like hey, if, if I'm an OKC true. fan, I'm so excited to watch Giddy and uh, Shea and Dort and uh, their, their other pieces and Poku. just how much they're going to play. Poku, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, that's the fun. If I'm an OKC yeah. fan, that's the fun. Like I, I don't care how many games yeah. they're going Yeah. It's more so. Yeah, you have a future these for guys sure. Grow. You have for a future. Sure. So that's and that's something that I agree with uh, at, to an extent. Um, yeah, especially about this upcoming draft, like getting that top seed, that top pick would be massive. Mm -hmm. I the only thing I worry about potentially is just, I mean, 
Shea went from the Clippers and not getting time really to play to the Thunder. And so if you lose enough, how much can a player at that caliber be like, okay, yeah, I'm fine with losing for now. So it's like, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I'm excited for him. <laughs> I'm excited for yeah. him regardless. But they have a bright future. They do. But anyway, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, we appreciate everybody who tuned in and listened all the way to the end. Thank you. I really appreciate it. There's a kiss for you. And um, we will see you next Monday um, around the same time. Uh, and we'll talk about some new topics. So if you guys have any, any ideas, any comments, anything you want to hear talked about, hit us up on our Twitter, at The Noted Podcast. Uh, we'd love to hear your takes. But uh, all in all, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.